Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, coupled with the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion, whether it's equipment supply, fully turnkey or anything in between. Their part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on next day delivery. Visit their website on ssvlimited.co.uk. That's ssvlimited.co.uk. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, heavy metal hop rockers, and welcome to another sesh on the Hop Forward podcast. Can you believe that this week we are on episode 96? Over the course of the last two years, we've covered everything from uh, brewing technical science and microbiology through to on-location recordings from beer festivals such as Smokefest and Dark City. Only the other night I was reflecting with my good friend Paddy about the time we went to Dark City, which I think is episode number four, it's called Pure Crunchy Dust. And how when we finally made our way into the main hall in the refectory, we were greeted by two things. An astronomically long line of people queuing up for a Mr. Whippy Omnipolo slush puppy thing and the sound of pure metal. Now, I must confess, metal's not really my thing. I was in a band at college called Strawberry Jack, which was a punk emo metal band. And being an indie kid... I tried, honestly, I did. I tried to get into bands like Marilyn Manson and Korn and Machine Head, but I just couldn't make them stick. Still, even though I wouldn't necessarily reach out for a System of a Down album, I still have a lot of respects for musicians who make up those kind of bands. I've always been quite struck as well with the amount of brewers who actually listen to metal. I'm not sure why there's a correlation between the two, but there definitely is. This is one of the questions I ask this week's guest, who draws inspiration from heavy guitar music such as Mastodon and Iron Maiden, a band he's gotten into trouble with not once, but twice for the use of artwork that bears resemblance to the iconic illustrations of albums such as The Number of the Beast. Chris Hodgetts, founder of Leviathan Brewing, worked in management consultants for almost 20 years, often spending large portions of time away from home. As an avid beer lover, it was only after he was diagnosed with cancer in 2017 that Chris decided to do something that would enable him to be at home with his family each night. And that thing was brewing. Although initially Chris was given the all clear, in June 2018 he was given the bad news that his illness had returned. Still determined to turn his hand to running a commercial brewery around the five months of this time successful treatment, Chris pushed on to make his dream a reality, buying a five-barrel brew house. 
as you'll hear Chris is unapologetic in his passion for music and beer. The look and feel of Leviathan Brewing's labels blurs the lines between craft beer and vinyl artwork. In our discussion, we talk about everything from setting the brewery up, Chris's season of ill health, and take a deep dive into the world of music and beer. Now, if you listen to our recent episode with Signature Brew, some of the reflections myself and co-founder Sam McGregor had also get touched upon in this interview. Quite fittingly, I was sent a beer by Signature Brew, which didn't quite make it onto that episode. But given that the beer in question is a collaboration with The Darkness, I thought the sensible thing to do would be to crack this bad boy open on a Monday evening and give you the lowdown. So I've lined up my Leviathan glass. So big thanks to Chris for sending that. I must confess this episode's quite old now. Um, so I, I drank his beers a while ago and um, the number of the feast, I think it was called, was uh, really nice. It was like a Neapolitan ice cream stout, I think, if I remember rightly. And the other one um, was a black IPA, which was really, really nice. But this one, we're, we're, go, we're going a bit more old school with this one. Uh, this is an ESB or extra seasonal bitter. Uh, it's 5.2%. So I'm going to crack this open and I'm going to give you the lowdown on this beer. Um, so I uh, I must confess I really like the darkness. Tried to get tickets to see them in 2003. Man, that seems like an age ago, doesn't it? Um, they were playing at the Octagon in Sheffield and it was sold out. So... Um, there you go, look, that's, I mean, what can you say? That's very ESB looking. <laughs> there you go. Some nice fruitiness on the nose. Let's give this a taste. That is really nice. That is, I mean, I am a bit of a best bitter nerd, to be honest. You kind of go full circle in these beer journeys, don't you? Um, you, go, you go through all the hops, all the impy stouts, the sours, and you kind of come back to the things that you kind of first loved. Um, but it's got a lovely softness to it. But you get some bitterness at the end. I think it's the way that an ESB should be. Um, you know, it's not aggressive at all. It's just a real soft bitterness. But yeah, that's 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 really nice. I am very much going to enjoy that. So huge thanks to the guys from Signature Brew for sending that out. Uh, it's called Bell's End. It's an extra seasonal bitter. It's 5.2%. And I mean, the artwork on this is great as well. So if you want to try some beers that taste like heavy metal falling from the sky, extra points if you know the reference where that came from and which musician that was referring to, uh, then check out Bell's End from Signature Brew and make sure you also head over to leviathanbrewing.co.uk forward slash shop where you can pick up some of Chris's excellent beers as well as a selection of guest beers including Amundsen, Abbeydale, Burnt Mill and many more. So that's leviathanbrewing.co.uk forward slash shop. Each and every week, we're partnering with Brew School to bring you the latest in brewing jobs in the United Kingdom. And this week's featured job is an apprenticeship opportunity with Everards. This is a unique opportunity to become a functional brewing team member in a modern and exciting brewery while undertaking a formally recognised qualification of brewery apprentice. 
In partnership with HIT Training and the University of Nottingham, Everards are able to offer a unique opportunity to become a functional brewing team member in a modern and exciting brewery while undertaking the formally recognised qualification of Brewery Apprentice. The offering incorporates practical learning of a wide range of skills covering the process from end to end in a brew that is both traditional but forward-looking with opportunities to develop your own recipes as well as gaining an understanding of what makes a successful core range. The Brewing Apprentice role relies on versatility and flexibility of the individual and over the course of the apprenticeship it is expected that the following roles will be trained out and time allocated to gain experience and this includes everything from brewing, fermentation and processing, cask and keg packing, small pack production, laboratory quality control, engineering, forklift truck driving, warehouse and logistics, you name it. If you want to get on the brewing career ladder as an apprentice then this might be the way for you. You'll undergo formal classroom sessions at the University of Nottingham um, while being coached and mentored by the head brewer and the rest of the brewing team at Everard's. So this is a fantastic new development within Everard's Brewery in Leicester. And if you would like to apply for this, then head over to brewing-jobs.com, follow the link and get ready for a career in brewing in partnership with Brew School at brewing-jobs.com. As ever, if you like Hot Forward, then make sure you follow us on all the socials at Hot Forward Beers. Head over to iTunes and Spotify and leave us a nice review. Um, helps get the word out about the podcast. The more ratings we get on those platforms, the more likely it is to appear in people's feeds. And it's interesting seeing where in the world people are listening. Um, this seems to be of an uptake of listeners in the United States. So if you're in the USA, hello. And the same for Australia as well. Good day. Um, sorry. So I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Um, so yeah, make sure you go leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. And I will love you forever. I really will. And then um, make sure you check out the website if you want more podcasts and articles uh, about the brewing industry, or maybe you want to work with me in some capacity on your branding, marketing, and business development. Then check out hotford.beer. You can see some examples of my work i'm not gonna lie to you that website needs updating just been a bit mad um over well over the last year really uh, which is a good thing well check out instagram that's a bit more of an up-to-date feed in regards to any visuals uh, that i've been working on for breweries and bottle shops and other beer related businesses but that's hotford.beer right so let's crack open this week's episode with chris hodgett's founder of Leviathan Brewing, talking all about uh, his brewery, his journey, and music and beer. Today on the show, I'm joined by Chris Hogman from Leviathan Brewing. Hello. Hi. How's How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. So uh, you, you were just saying before we start recording that um, you're, you're still transferring having had a late start yes. brewing. So, um, yeah, I, um, I, I started at half past one today, which is, uh, pretty late. I normally like to be here quite early and, uh, had a bit of a nightmare with my car and got here late. I thought I'll brew tomorrow and decided in the end, no, forget it. I'll just, uh, I'll just crack on. Mm. Um, so it's gone probably the smoothest, smoothest brew so far, um, on this kit. So, um, well, that's so almost done. That's good. Given that you started late. There's, there's nothing worse yeah. than starting late and then having an absolute nightmare brew day. Yes. Yeah, and, um, yeah I've had a few of those. Yeah, over, me too. What's, what, <laughs> out of interest, what's the worst brew day you've ever had? 
Um, well, a couple of months ago, um, cause the kit I've got, because um, it's only me, I added a few sort of bells and whistles to it. Um, so I had an, an agitator added to the mash tun. Um, had an auger, um, hydrator, fit, you know, so I could um, to make, to, just to make mashing in easier, that sort yep. of thing. And um, I hadn't used the auger, to be honest. I brewed a couple of times, not used it. I thought, I'll give it a go. So um, I was brewing um, something around 8%, I think it was. So a reasonably large malt bill. So I thought, I'll, you know, I'll use that. And um, got three three sacks of grain in. That, um, the motor started, like, making weird noises. Then it just blew up. Um, so I obviously moved out of the way. Uh, but before I had a chance to do that, it started vibrating. Then the whole lid with the auger, the huge motor, and the you know the great big the the, the agitator, sorry, mm. fell into the mash tun. So I've got a mash tun full of water um, with with two and a bit sacks of grain in. Um, it sheared all the false bottom up. So obviously I had to start all over again. And by this point, by the time I'd sort of sorted it out, I managed to get the the lid back on. Um, Luckily, there's no damage uh, apart from a, you know, a couple of couple of marks to the to the false bottom, and um, it was like lunchtime then. By the time I started again, um, but I thought, well, I start again. You know, part of me was like, just wipe this off and go home and come back tomorrow. But I thought, no, I've, I've come to brew today, so I'll crack on. And um, so I did. And then for some reason, my pump was playing up, so tr the transfer took forever um, into kettle, and then transferred to the fermenter. So I was here till. I think it was 1.30 in the morning Oof. in the end. So, yeah, my wife wasn't too pleased. Um, wow, 1.30. So, uh, yeah, so it wasn't um, wasn't the best day. No. I mean, no. Um, I think I've had some bad brew days in my time, but um, I've, I've, you know, I've been there from crack of dawn until like, I think it was <coughs> half 11 was the longest I was there, but I had a stuck mash yeah. and, yeah. Then I couldn't, and then couldn't get it out of the brew kettle after because so so much crap had ended up in in there it clogged all the uh, the strainers up and stuff and i thought that yeah. was bad but yeah half one in the morning <laughs> ouch <laughs> yeah um so for, for our listeners um can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry and then tell us a bit about live and brewing yeah sure um well i'll say I'm, I'm i'm 50 years old now 50 years of age now i um Previously, I worked in IT. I was an IT contractor for 20 years and um, started home brewing about 16 years ago. I was in a garden centre, I think, and um, saw a kit with a pressure barrel and uh, a fermentation uh, bucket and uh, a Woodford's Wherry uh, extract kit. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I've seen that. So it was 16, yeah. 17 years ago. And I thought, well, I'll give that a go. It seems like a cheap way of getting beer. And uh, I tried that. Obviously, back then, I was you know, more of a, an ale drinker. And, um, you know, it's all right. I thought, well, yeah, 20p a pint, you can't really, can't really, can't really complain. And um, so I sort of got, got me sort of hooked into the idea of, of making beer. Um, now, I'm the sort of person that, if I'm going to do something, I like to do it well. So very quickly, I think by brew number three, I'd bought some bits and pieces and was doing all the grain. And, uh, you know, just brewed once a month for, you know, for, for that sort of period of time, really. And then um, about three years ago, I was quite seriously ill. I'd um, had cancer basically, mm. and um, so I went through. Um, had a, had something removed, a lump removed. It was cancer. I couldn't find any any cancer anywhere else. So I had various scans, and then it came back, and they found uh, it 
cancer elsewhere. So I had to go through a period of, sort of chemo and radiotherapy, which sort of finished February of the last year. But in between the two sort of um, incidents of that, I decided to, uh, you know, obviously makes you reevaluate, reevaluate mm. your life and what you're doing. And I hadn't really enjoyed um, the last few sort of projects I've worked on in my, in my other role. Um, you know, the interest in that I'm sort of starting to wane a little bit. So I thought, well, why not do something I enjoy? Um, you know, brewing and um, obviously ordered the kit. I had some sort of smaller, uh, sort of a half barrel kit at the time. So I was doing sort of spent a year whilst waiting for the kit, the big kit to arrive, just doing um, small batches of you know some bottles, yeah, a few kegs here and there um, for you know for festivals that sort of thing and sort of one-off sort of events and um, went from there. Really, the kit, kit arrived then in uh, in between Christmas and the year. Um, what just, just gone? Wow, wow. Okay. Just gone, yeah, yeah. So I, I got got installed all that myself um, over January. Just started brewing in Feb, just as lockdown happened. Um, but as I said, the business has been going for two years, really. Mm. Um, now almost. <clears throat> um, am I right in thinking you're doing it part time around the management consulting stuff? Yeah, that's right. I'm still doing. Um, I think when I first started, I got, I got a project down in Kent, so I was doing four days down there. And then a Friday, I'd come back and brew, and um, obviously deal, then pop in over weekends, and then um, you know that, that sort of thing. But obviously, that's fine when you're brewing sort of small batches. But when you're brewing on a bigger kit, you know you can't really you have to be here to attend to things yeah, yeah. sort of day really because you know something might might happen that needs your attention or you know um, you know beer, beer needs a bit of love every day really until mm. it's until it's in in the uh, until it's packaged, doesn't it? So. Um, so I had a I had a role. Uh, my last role, uh, my last project was local. So once I started here uh, in, in sort of January, Feb, brewing. Um, luckily, I was working locally, so I could sort of brew, brew one day a week, and then I could call, call in before work or after work and just uh, attend to what needed doing, like, you know, whether it's racking the yeast off or dry hopping or whatever. So yeah, so yeah. And do, do you think being diagnosed with cancer basically kind of forced your hand into going for it? Do you think if you'd not had had that happen, you'd still be kind of doing it on a smaller scale, or or was it something yeah, that you'd always intended on sort of upscaling at some point? Or I, I, well, I hadn't I hadn't given it any thought really. Um, you know, something I really love doing. I absolutely, you know, brewing. Um, I absolutely love it. You know, I could be in an awful mood, come in here, my mood lifts as soon as I walk through the door. Mm. Um, so possibly I would have done, but I think I think that was probably the thing that sort of made me think. Well. You know what am I doing with my life? I was working away a lot, so I'd, you know, typically projects could be all over the country. So it could be six month projects in London. So I'd, I'd go to work on a Monday, come back on a Thursday or a Friday, you know, away from the family and that sort of thing. And I thought, well, until you know, okay, I've had treatments and, and all clear now, but you know, still, you know, regular scans and things. And you think to yourself, well, life could be short, shorter than I expected. So do I, do I want to waste it, you know, being in London, calling my kids when they're going to bed in the week? Or should I do something that I love doing and be, you know, five minutes from home and um, have sort of a good a good balance of, you know, of family life and, and work, really? So I think it was that that gave me the push. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So what, what was it like upscaling from, like, half-barrel to five-barrel kit? Because in, in some ways, I, I always think the jump from brewing on a small effectively like commercialized homebrew scale yeah up to a uh, a commercial kit by which i would kind of class anything you know that well i guess i'd class anything that swallows a lot more of your time up 
as a commercial mm. kit, you know, and that I, I suppose that could be anything from two point five barrel upwards, you know, but yeah, um yeah. but like, you know, like just for argument's sake, we say like five five barrels, which is what, about eight hundred litres? Yeah, just a yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I can squeeze depending on the beer, I could probably squeeze about getting towards eight fifty eight. Right. It's not a particularly aggressive yeast. I can just about uh, do that. But uh, I've had a few, so, uh, had a couple of lively ones recently that have, uh, you know, decorated the floor. Hmm. So what, what, what were some of the challenges you faced when going from just having that small kit up to like a, a five barrel kit then? Um, well, I think obviously once, it, once it arrived, I was like, bloody hell, this is big. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd never even, I'd never even sort of been on a brewery tour or even touched something of that sort of size. I mean, obviously I've seen, seen sort of bigger kits like that, but it was quite a, quite a sort of uh, you know big, you know, two, yeah, big trailer load of equipment arriving. I was like bloody hell, what have I done? Um, but once I've got it all installed and, and uh, put together and stuff like that, and, and had a bit of a play with it, I'm, I'm finding actually that it's um, because you're dealing with larger larger bodies of of, 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 of um, you know liquid and water and stuff like that, that um, getting like temperature control and things like that is, is so much easier. I'm finding. Yeah. Okay, obviously I'm, I'm 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 heaving 250 to 300 kilos of grain around a day instead of instead of just tipping half a sack in, um, which is a bit of a bit of a difference. Um, but so from, you know, physically, it's 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 harder work from sitting behind a desk and doing the odd homebrew. But um, certainly from a from a process point of view, because obviously the kit's got you know I've got good uni tanks with you know, good chillers and spudding valves and you know, various things like that, which you generally don't unless you unless you sort of a serious home brewer. You don't tend to have that sort of um, the sophisticated kit, mm. um, really. So I'm finding it, I'm finding brewing easier, if that makes sense. Um, it's makes purely so- because of the yeah, just just getting like me, you know, my mash temps correct, spot on, and get my ABVs spot on. I'm just mm. finding it easier to hit all my top targets um, because of the kits so much, you know, more advanced than yep. than um, the brewing on a home brew scale. Mm. It makes total sense um, because I when I was at Sheffield Brewery Company, you know, I found exactly the same thing. You know, I, I, I knew that I'd get the right mash temp with the right <clears throat> strike temperature on my, my liquor. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I knew how to adjust that in terms of like the weather, you know, um, in, in winter, I'd have to co- go a couple of degrees higher and all the rest of it. And yeah. I, I've got a hundred litre, um, essentially glorified homebrew kit now, um, and which I brew on. And it's just like, a nightmare trying to get the right mash temperature i'm yeah. just like this you know it's like i've worked in a commercial brewery you know it's like i i should be able to nail something as rudimentary yeah. as this but for some reason on that small scale it's just so it's a miss yeah yeah it's so frustrating it doesn't take any longer in a day either so like the other week um all my three tanks were full and i was waiting for the cannons to arrive and i thought shall i shall i brew sort of a i've got a one barrel uni from this brew tech well, should I do a double brew into that with the other kit, the smaller kit? So I thought, no, do you know what? I'm just can't be bothered. Just too much like hard work, really, compared to compared to using the, the bigger kit now. Yeah. So while we're talking <laughs> about your cans, um, I've got these yeah. in front of me. So thank thank you for sending these through. I, awesome. um, now, n- normally when I get guests on with um, to do a bit of a virtual tasting, I, I normally go for their recommendation first. But then I, I saw the darkness within, which is a black IPA. Okay. Yeah. And like. I'd love to, obviously, well, I think I know what's coming because I was going to say I'd love to know your opinion on black IPAs. Some people hate black IPAs. I think they're amazing. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I mean, 
like, why do you think people hate them so much? I'm going to crack this open into this very nice glassy scent. Um, but while I do that, like, why, why do you think people hate them so much? I don't know. I, I think I think a lot of. I mean, I, I've. This is probably the fourth time I've tried to brew one, and the first three times I sort of failed miserably. Um, this one seems to have gone down well. I mean, as you say, it is a Marmite style, so you do get, you know, um, generally it's been well received. Um, if you look at, you know, from, from terms of um, comments on social media and on taps and things like that. Um, I think I probably, I'm still not entirely, I mean, I'm never entirely happy with, with my beers and that's why sometimes I, I brew them sort of six times until I get them right. Um, I think this one, for some reason, I keep I keep insisting on putting chocolate rye in it, um, and I've done it four times now, oh. and I think it, I think it makes it a bit too dry, um, personally. So I think that's that's the one change I'll make next time. That will, that will go next time round, because I say I've, I've I've tried it three times. It's a similar recipe to I did another one. Did it one called the dot, um, <coughs> black and the cursed sun, which was um, um, I did in bottles. The first attempt. Um, wasn't you know, just was a homebrew and i gave some samples out to people and they they, they sort of um wasn't particularly well bottled so it, you know after a couple after a week or so if you opened one it went everywhere and didn't taste particularly good um and then i sort of persisted with that i did I did one in keg which went down so the third the last time i did it it was reasonably okay i think this one's um as i say i'm the most happiest with but i think as i say i'm gonna, I'm gonna drop drop the chocolate wine next time in, in the malt bill because i think it's um adding a a bit of a kick that um, some can, people aren't, aren't enjoying. I, I can see what you're saying. I mean, I like it. I think the bodies on it is great. And I, I think one of the pitfalls some breweries fall into when they make black IPAs is that they don't, um, they don't give it enough ABV. Yeah. You know, I mean, an, an IPA, in my opinion, should be a higher ABV anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, me, I'm always, you know, above six, really, really. Um, Probably around six and a half before I've caught it in IPA. Yeah. Mm. So I, yeah, I, I can. I, it is. It is quite dry, but I like that. It's. It's nice. Mm. The aroma on it. The 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 hop aroma on it's great. So um, I mean, we, we, so talk, talk to me through the artwork and stuff then, because um, you were saying you you do the designs yourself and stuff like. What's what? what where does the inspiration come from? Your yeah. um, well, sort I mean of gothic kind of feel. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the brew itself, Leviathan, the name came from, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big music fan generally. I mean, I love all sorts of music. Um, I mean, I do like metal. Most of the gigs I go to are metal. Mm. Um, but I sort of grew up in the seventies listening to sort of, you know, seventies rock, like my, my dad loved like Led Zeppelin and oh, Led uh, Zeppelin. Fleetwood Mac, Mac and, um, Deep Purple. So I grew up listening, my dad's listening, listening to those on Viadon, sort of, I guess, got a, that in sort of into me a little bit at an early age. Uh, obviously grew up in the 80s so you know into like Depeche Mode and then sort of pe- those sort of people and um, but I've always had a sort of love for the sort of the heavier end of, of music and uh, Leviathan's the name of an album by a band called Mastodon who I, who I particularly like and um, so I thought Leviathan Brewing that sounds that sounds right and then obviously the, the logo and things it's a Leviathan Cross so it's all sort of, sort of fitted together quite nicely in terms of you know all the beers are generally um, inspired by either metal songs or yeah or bands and things like that. So, um, the darkness within is a is a track by uh, Machine Head, and um, they use like a uh, sort of cathedral image on their on mm. their uh, on, the, on the single. So I, I sort of found something um, in in sort of the stock stock company I use and, and, and sort of made it a little bit darker and uh, used that. It just sort of seems to fit with the uh, with the theme. <coughs> 
Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, when I when I got, I mean, I didn't know that much about the Vivian, um before I got the cans through, really. So I, the minute I saw them, I was like, he's definitely not into Coldplay. <laughs> No, I did um, did um, take one for the team. I took my daughter to see them um, many years ago. So ah, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I'm quite partial to a bit of Coldplay for my for my sins. Um, but there, there you go. I, I won't I won't yeah. go into that too much. Everyone's going to boycott the Hot Four podcast now for saying that. Um, <laughs> no, as I say, I mean, I, I, I love all sorts of music. I mean, I always say to people, it, one week years ago. Uh, in the same week, I saw Slayer and Pavarotti, um, so three days apart. Mm. So that's how sort of you know broad my musical taste is, really. So. Yeah. Do you know? I, I think it's a shame that um, music venues, not that people are going to many of those these days, um, but mm. mu- music venues are so poor when it comes to beer choice. It's generally sort of overpriced Carling or Guinness, isn't it? It really um, is. Yeah, I um I went to a gig in Leeds um, I can't remember whether it was last year or the year before last see Gaz Coombs who used to be in Supergrass so oh yeah yeah. my wife used to go out with the guy who's Gaz's guitarist so he, he okay. got us like um, BIP access so it was in an old yeah. church in Leeds um, yeah. and uh, I mean absolutely amazing concert venue and yeah. then um, we got ushered up to like the, the balcony <laughs> where they had these yeah. settees and there were about three other people and there was a private bar, so I'm just thinking, oh, this is going to be great, you know. And the, the choice was, like, Bex yeah. or somewhere else as equally as crap. And I was, <laughs> I, I was gutted, you know, because it's like, I, like I'm, maybe I'm getting old and I don't, it's because I don't like yeah. standing at gigs and stuff so much anymore, you know. So I'm like, I, you know, I've got, enough, yeah. I've got enough breathing room without all these other mugs around me. I could at least have a really good beer, but lo and behold, I couldn't. I mean, what, yeah. what's, what's your opinion on um, sort of music and and beer in terms of like how do you think that um, music venues or the music industry could champion independent beer because i think in a lot of ways there's so many parallels between independent microbreweries and mm-hmm. like you know independent music yeah yeah and i think that, i think unfortunately as i say a lot of a lot of, a lot of the smaller venues tend to tend to you know have been struggling haven't they? you know you're up against the big sort of chains, if you like, of mm. uh, the O2 academies and those sort of places, and they, they're the places where it tends to be sort of macro, um, macro beer. Um, but you know, if you go to like Download Festival, for example, it tends to be again, you know, six pound for a, um, a Stella or, or six fifty for a Guinness sort of thing, and that's that's the only choice. Um, I mean, I, I went, to, you know, I think as you say, there is, I think smaller venues would do well because you know, as you say, there is. Uh, I, mean, I think the. The best I've ever come across, I went to Rock City a few years ago in Nottingham, mm. and they had a, a reasonable range of stuff in the fridges. I was, I was, I was, I was stunned. Um, I, don't, and I forget what who it was now. I think there was some some Beaver Town stuff in there, pre 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 sellout. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, there, there was there was you know there must have been I don't know eight to ten decent cans of craft in there. Um, and I, I was I was really surprised because I think it's the first time I'd ever been to a gig where you had that sort of choice. Um, apart from um, the oh, what's the name? The place in the place in Bristol. Um, it's a place in Bristol where it's a, like, there's a pub right next to it. You sort of like in your legs of nip out with your wristband on and get a pint next door. Oh, nice. Um, but so, but as I say, you know, as you say, it is pretty poor. Um, Generally, they are tied to um, to you know one or two mm. pretty poor 
options, aren't they? Yeah, there used to be a pub in Sheffield called the Boardwalk, um, and it was like a really prolific music venue for um, up and coming bands. I mean, a band that I was in once we supported the Arctic Monkeys there, and it was uh, it was absolutely packed, and everyone yeah. everyone was going about this. This there were two bands that built that both had the word monkey in, um, okay. but Arctic Monkeys weren't headlining so we all presumed that it was it was a band called monkey swallows the universe and we were like we all presumed that um the talk of whichever a and r people were in the building had come to see them and then yeah. arctic monkeys came on and they were they were amazing but you know the beer section they had in this this pub was great you know um it was it was so good and it, i was gutted when that venue closed down um because i think when you get that combination of good beer and a good band you know, it's you, you just it's just just a perfect recipe for a good night out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's one one things I love about. Um, I say I haven't done Downhead Festival for many years, but I've, I've, I've been going to uh, Bloodstock, which is uh, sort of built on trench. It's much smaller. It's about twelve to fourteen thousand crowd. Mm. Uh, the campsites are really close to the arena, um, and you can take your beers into the arena. Um, they also had that um, Lemmy. They had like a real ale bar. Um, Called Lemmy's, that's named Lemmy's Bar. Once Lemmy died, um, so there's like a quite a range, good range of you know decent, decent real ale on. on um, I say obviously decent. It's it's not particularly well kept in a tent for four days in, in the middle of summer. <laughs> but um, but you know apparently in the VIP section there's um, there's been some um, you know some some some, some decent brews in there. So um, so yeah, that, that you know that's that's quite quite nice to see to have that sort of. That sort of option, really, rather than you know spending your fortune, uh, you get to download. You you either drink seven pound pints of Stella, or you take walk back to your tent, which is half an hour each way normally to, to have a beer at your tent in between bands. <laughs> option. So, and you were saying just before we start recording that you've, um, in addition to being on this podcast, that you you've been on some yeah. metal and beer blogs. Is that right? Yeah, there's um there's one called Headbangers uh, Headbangers Ball. Um, uh, there's a guy that um, does a lot of um, articles on um, beer and metal, or you know metal related beers. So he obviously features a lot of breweries and a lot of beers that are actually have, a, have sort of that sort of connection. So I did a did a thing um, last year really. So did an interview with them, which is which is quite quite good. Mm. Um, you know, obviously when we just first started out, so they, oh, you know I find this. I'm always happy to talk uh, to people. Um, you know, hopefully. You know my sort of story. You know, with, with my illness and setting this up. You know, if that inspires somebody else to get into the industry, then 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 that's great. And that's that's why I'm always easygoing. And, you know, happy to um, to chat about these things. Yeah, and open so, about it. totally. So I mean, I I I think there's quite a lot of people who are brewers who are into metal. I mean, I'm I'm yeah, self-confessed. It's not my bag. Um, no. Although you know, when I was in college, I was in a we were, we were a punk band to start with, but then um, it, the the guitarist and the singer were both into metal, so we started erring down that direction. So I had to, I had to really sort yeah. of shoehorn an, an indie kid like me who'd kind of grown up on Oasis and stuff had to kind of shoehorn himself into listening to Corn yeah. and Rage Against yeah. the Machine and stuff. But um, but you know, I, I look at the brewing industry and you see a lot of people that are into metal. I mean, did, why, why do you think there's that kind of correlation quite often between brewers and, and metal? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Is it the uh, good question? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, just, I thought. Just yeah. like, I just. I remember. I went Sorry. to. Um, no, Sorry. no, no. It's cool. I, I know it's a bit of a, quite a niche question, isn't it? But I. Um, yeah. yeah. I went to. Um, you, you're right. There are quite a few. I mean, you look at. Um, you know, there's quite a few breweries out there that have. 
you know, um, I mean, I tend to, I, I, I love making puns of, of song names, as you probably see from if you, if you look at the beers I've released yep. in the past. And um, you know, there's a few out there, you know, obviously, um, Weird Beard do a few, um, don't they? Mm. Um, they, they tend, I, quite often, they've, um, they release a beer and I'm like, damn, that was one I got on my list. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, I'm a big Metallica fan and they they, uh, they obviously are as t- they obviously are too. So um, there's been a few they've done and I've gone, you bastards, you know. Um, I was going to use that. So, uh, so yeah, so there are quite a few out there. Um, why, as I say, what, what the connection is, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange one, I don't know. Not had any uh, threatening lawsuits then from any of these bands? Yes, yes, I have actually. Oh, have you? Oh, talk about that. That's interesting. Please (laughs) Um, talk about that. Yeah, there should be a statement on my website um, shortly once it's been approved by the band in question. Um, Yeah, basically, um, I'm a big big Iron Maiden fan. Yeah. And um, I had a a letter from them uh, about a year ago. I I brewed a a small, um, I brewed a porter with blackcurrants, 9% porter. And I called it Bring Your Porter to the Slaughter. (laughs) Nice. I did see the name of that actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was only it was only a sort of you know um, a homebrew really. I had four, I think I had about forty bottles of it. Mm. Um, so I didn't I, I did do a keg version of it um, later, but you know certainly bottles. I didn't I didn't I didn't put them on sale or anything like that. And um, I um, I was messing about designing my website, which obviously once we got going, and I put a picture of of it on there because I was just playing around. The website wasn't supposed to be visible at that point, um, but for some reason they picked up on it and. Um, I think they probably saw it on Untapped, which didn't have that image, had a different image. But the image I put on the bottle was, was one of their album, uh, used some of their album artwork. Mm. As I say, it wasn't supposed to be public, it wasn't, so they wrote to me and I said, look, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you're right, it's, you know, it's your, it's your image off your album. Um, so, but, you know, it's not on sale, it's not, uh, I made 40 bottles of it for me and my mates to drink. Um, I was just put on my website because they wrote. I said, look at the, the names of the website because there was like a context page which was from a template and it had different names on there, pictures of different people. I said, you know, it's not, you know, it wasn't supposed to, you weren't supposed to see that sort of thing. So they were fine about it. And then I, um, one of the beers I've sent to you, this number of the feast, um, which, which I had the artwork done. Now, um, I, I, um, that's been that's gone down really well out there. There's been a couple of couple of people haven't, haven't enjoyed it, which is which is fine. You know, end of day, it's personal taste. But generally, the beer has been quite well received, and uh, it's, it was a fun thing. It's you know supposed to supposed to taste like a a well known a well known sort of chocolate ice cream. Um, <laughs> don't do more suits, do we? Uh, <laughs> which we don't want to mention because obviously the ma- manufacturers of that might be on to me next. Um, <laughs> but the um, I had the artwork done by um, by, by uh, Lewis Ryan, and um, it was just a pun. Um, number of the feast uh, instead of number of the beast now um i didn't think it caused any tr- trouble because you know there's no mention of maiden uh yes it's using an image that's similar to something they've got trademarked um but the trademark they have for for eddie which is the you know their their character is yep. um sort of a black and white small black and white sketch which looks slightly different um and it's only trademarked for clothing not for beer so I thought, well, this is just just me paying homage to them. You know, I'm a big fan of theirs. Um, it's a pun. Um, it's not. It's not. I'm not trying to pass off as one of their products. You know, obviously they they sell the Trooper and other sort of you know, more traditional style beers. Um, so nobody's going to confuse it and say, oh, this is an official Iron Maiden product sort of thing. And as I say, the image used, the image that I've used, isn't isn't um, you know trademark for beer. So I thought it'd be fine, but obviously I had a, somebody on Twitter 
posted about the beer saying, oh, I love this beer, it's really good. And then somebody replied saying, oh, where's this from? Do, and they tagged in Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden beer, Robinsons, tagged them all in. So, you know, so obviously that drew attention to it um, about a week ago. So I had a, a letter from them um, recently. Um, from Iron Maiden so, or from Robinsons or from, from Iron Maiden? Right. From Iron Maiden, the, 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 the trademark. I presume, I presume you, you mean like their their people. Yes, their people. Yeah, yes, yeah. So I, well, part members of Iron Maiden Group, who are the obviously their their sort of uh, holding company, I guess, um, that deal with all of their sort of you know, trade intellectual property yeah. uh, issues for things. So, so they um, obviously they got in touch and said, um, Chris, you know, we've written to you before, so you know the score. Um, <laughs> it's not a first uh, time offender. No, no, no. As I say, the first time was 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 a non a non offence really. So they um, they said basically um, you've got to destroy all the beer. You've got to recall it from everywhere. Um, you've got to not use it again. You've got to send us details of all of the sales, uh, how much profit you've made, and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I, I wrote back. You know, basically, I disagreed with them a little bit. I said, well, you know, the image isn't, you know, it's it's, it's different from what you've got trademarked, which isn't for beer. So, uh, you know, I do disagree. But obviously, I'm not in a position to, to argue with you because, you know, if you want to take it further, that would close me down sort of thing. And obviously, I don't want that. So I said, you know, I, I brewed the beer because I, I love I made and I've seen you 14 times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, had a very nice um, response back from them saying, look, you know, all you've done wrong is that you didn't ask. Um, you know, they're happy with the name of the beer, just that the image is slightly contentious. Um, so uh, it's very similar to, you know, an image on, on the number of the beast um single so potentially it's copy you know, it's not a trademark issue it's potentially copyright copyright issue so they um but they said look you know if you want to use things like that just ask um but obviously if you could read i said well i'll relabel what i've got you know can't afford to read you know to, to just bin off 200 not 200 cans i've got left uh i'll relabel it and then we'll um you know we'll and, and they're, they're fine with that so i've got to put an issue i've got to put a statement out just saying you know I've done this, it was wrong, for, you know, because I should have asked. Um, I'm relabeling it, um, you know, I'm, I'm a naughty boy sort of thing. So that'll be so going on the website. This, this is a limited edition can then? <laughs> yes, it is, yeah. Amazing. yeah I've, got some, um, I've got a big censored sticker that's going over the rest of them. Nice. Uh, so it's not not a full relabel, um, but it covers up the offending image. So I, I like the vibe, it's, though. It's kind of, that's yeah. kind of reminds me of the Sex Pistols or something. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, as, 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 as a sort of like a... Um, you know, as a little project, I think it's worked quite well because obviously the name, the imagery, the ABV, obviously it's six point seven. I can't quite hit six point six six exactly. Um, I was going to ask, and then I was like, should I let so, that question slide? But when I see yeah, breweries that do six point six six, so six point seven. So, um, so it's slightly, it's slightly, a, it's six point seven. But you're within tolerance, so. Yeah, it's within tolerance. So, so yeah, so I think as, you know, as, as a, as a, as a, you know, standalone piece of work. I think it's it's, it's quite good. So, mm. but obviously, you know, I've learnt my lesson. I won't um, I won't try and uh, draw their IO in the future. Awesome. Uh, by, by using anything. I mean, I, I've told them. You know, I am going to put the hell out of your songs, and they said, <laughs> well, that's, well, that's fine. So I've got a few up my sleeve. Um, I mean, there are. I mean, there's been a few. I mean, Cloudwater recently did uh, Number of the Yeast, didn't they? So. Mm. Um, so there are, you know, it's it's, a, it's an accepted norm. I think. Yeah. Um, in, that people people yeah people as you say people like music. So uh, there's quite a lot of puns out there. So, and that to say, that's not the issue. So, so yeah. So that's that's um, that's what's happened. Um, 
and uh, I'm, I'm still here to tell the tale, fortunately. <laughs> Beer be copyrights are funny ones, isn't it, in terms of like beer names? Because there are so many beer names. And I guess it's different. Like, you know, if, if you get one band that have a song name, like, it, for example, Number of the Beast, and then another band have the song called, also called Number of the Beast. No, no one bats an eyelid, you know, two, yeah. two completely separate bands, yeah. even within the same genre, can have a song and even yeah. a hit song with the same name. But the That's minute right. you put something in a can, you know, it all of a sudden, like, well, we saw it with um, Omnipolo and um, Buxton Brew with Yellow Belly. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, that's my name. Oh, that's my name. That's my beer name. Yeah. And, and people kind of lose the plot. And I, I always find it curious, particularly, particularly when it's on a small scale. And I can see if it was like, you know, Molson Coors versus AB InBev, or, or it, well, actually, an yeah. even better example, if it was the, the original Budvar versus. Budweiser, Budvar, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, I, I can sort of see why that would make sense because you're talking about a proper brand. But when you're talking about yeah. somebody local that's just bashing out a few beers and stuff, like I, I always think it, it can, you know, it's like pistols at dawn, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think sometimes it's it's a, I, I don't get it sometimes because you know you get like um, you, you produce a beer and then you will get some companies write you saying oh we, we make cheese it's called that so you can't use that name it's like well. People aren't going to confuse it. Do you know what I mean? People aren't going to sort of pick up a beer thinking it's a, it's a, a, you know, a half a pound of cheddar. So, what's the problem? <laughs> That's it. They're, um, getting the, they're getting the knife out to cut the carrots. Like, wait a minute, it's, yeah, there's yeah. liquid in this. Yeah. It's going everywhere. Yeah, wash all my pickle away. What's yeah. going on? Oh uh, well, I think um, I've I've come to the end of the black IPA, which I've I've really enjoyed. Um, oh good. So um, I I think. I, I owe it to this podcast and to you to crack open this beer. Um, I mean, I, I noticed with some of the other ones like um, Life Was Peachy and, mm. um, you know, the Saisons and stuff. So, you, you know, you, you, you brew beers like uh, Raspberry Thyme or Pear and Ginger Saison. Like, so, yeah, I mean, right, can, yeah. can, you, can you talk us through your process in terms of putting a beer together um, in terms of like ha- how you think the flavours will go well together um, and because I think the, you can have a really how can I put it you can have a really noble desire to create a oh you know a, a toasted rye marshmallow s'mores ESB yeah. sounds amazing <laughs> you know and you, you put those words together in your head and you can kind of visualise yeah. what it would taste like if it was a food but then you brew it as a beer and sometimes you're like that's exactly what that tastes like and then on the other hand it's like I've created a monster. So, like, yes, how yeah. how do you go about putting these sort of odd flavours together and then sort of, you know, what do you do if it doesn't quite work out as you'd hoped and all the rest of it? And I'm, I'm going to yeah, crack I mean, it I, this I, open. So. I mean, I've always been... I've always loved cooking. Uh, so right. I take a lot of inspiration from that. And that's where... Um, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm slugging off of the brewers here, but um, I've never wanted to sort of be pigeonholed into producing sort of you know one or two stars like you know hazy ipas and hazy pails mm. i mean absolutely two there's two beers i'd probably drink most of um but i've always liked to exp- like when i cook at home um you know my follow a recipe i think oh i'll try it and i think oh that tastes nice but it might be nicer if i did replace that with that or change that around a little bit do you know what i mean so mm. i've always liked to, you know, i've always loved cooking and um love sort of flavor combinations and I'm trying to sort of, you know, find things like, particularly the saisons. Um, you know, saisons I think work well when you've got uh, either a fruit with either a spice or a herb, and some some work really well together. So, you know, I did a, 
a mango with uh, Camp Up Rouge peppers to start was the first one I did. And that went down really well. And then you sort of start to think about things, well, you know, raspberry, that goes well with, you know, raspberry. You know, you look at, I mean, I read a lot of, um, I end up buying, buying loads of dessert books and, and cooking books. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I, I was in a, in a service station. There was this uh, three, three for the price of two. And there's like a two, I think it was like 500 chocolate desserts was, was the one. I thought, oh, that's, that's got to be full of stout ideas and that, that has. Um, um, so that's what I do. I sort of pick up things like that. And I think, well, you know, my, my wife used to do a lot of cake baking um, um, on the side as a bit of, a, you know, wedding cakes and birthday cakes and things like that. And, she, and so she, she'd buy, she had a lot of sort of cake books. But I flick through those, you know, flick through old Mary Berry cook, cake book and say, and look at different flavour combinations and think, well, that works in food. So why, why shouldn't it work in a beer? As long mm. as you choose the right style of beer to put it into, I think yeah. that's, that's the key thing. Um, you know, you wouldn't have a, like a, you know, a, a, a raspberry and thyme state, for example, but, but in a saison, I think, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad, pla- bad, um, you know, platform to put it on, you know, to, to build on really. So that, that's where I get the inspiration from. It's really, really from cooking, I guess. Yeah. I, I, this is great. I really like this. And I think, I think, I think it when it says on the tin, um, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, some people have said it's like a cheap choc ice that you get from, you know, from uh, spa. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably right. I think, you know, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a, a, a summer stout that you can put in the fridge and drink it cold. It just tastes like having a, you know, a, a, um, a generic, chocolate ice cream it, 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 that that's a really good description but i think um you touched upon a good point there i think i think as long as you as long as what you call the beer in terms of style marries up with the actual liquid i think yeah. it's fine i think you run into really dicey problems when it doesn't no. i think this an ice cream milk stout definitely does what it says on the tin mm. so um just going back to the brewing then, like what, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of being a small uh, one-person outfit like you are? Um, well, I think, obviously, you know, I, I, I do everything. Um, I, you know, I, I was brought up to, you know, to work hard and I always have done. So I don't mind, I don't mind it. I, you know, especially when you do something you enjoy, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like work. Um, but obviously, it started just as lockdown kicked in. Um so obviously I had to switch to canning straight away. Yeah. I think I think you know I'm quite quite I'm sort of geared up to be brewing. You know I've got three uni tanks. I could probably get four depending on the style. Uh, I could probably get you know four to five beers a month out, no problem. Um, you know it's a brew, one brew a week. Um, and um, the problem I find yeah so I think yeah that that's that's perfectly achievable. Um, but what I found is obviously. You're reliant upon contract canners. They're all they're extremely busy because everybody's canning at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I think I've had ten beers out uh, in six months, which is nowhere nothing like the the volume I should have produced really, um, because you know I'll be, I'll be brewing three beers over maybe two week period, mm. then I'm waiting another three weeks till they canned. Um, so there's there's a lots of gaps in between. So I mean, my next canning sessions booked in for towards the end of september so um hence i'm brewing three three brews um i've got one in tank i'm kegging kicking in the next day or so one i brewed today and i'm brewing again tomorrow so i've got three beers going to keg so i could start you know if, if i was kegging exclusively i'd be turning a lot more beer out yeah um and that that's i think that's been the frustration for me um obviously it's hot you know it's, it's, there's a lot to do when you're on your own 
um, you know, obviously brew day is just one day of the week, but then there's you know there's packaging, there's there's there's, there's sort of care and attention that beers need in between. Um, because of lockdown, I've been selling stuff online, so you know I'm I'm, I'm dealing with the orders, I'm, I'm I'm delivering them myself locally around Birmingham and yep. sort of slightly further afield. So um, you know, I design my website myself. I'm do, do literally doing everything. So I think that's that's the that's the thing that's that's difficult um, for me, um, being this small. Uh, you know. Brewing on this sort of size kit on your own is, 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 I mean, there are quite a few people out there in a similar situation. Mm. So it's not something that's I'm finding particularly hard. It's just I think the the, the amount of other stuff that needs doing, and certainly, you know, I've put taproom taproom plans on hold because there's not, you know, there wasn't much point for the last few months. I'm now thinking about getting the refurbishment done to get the taproom open. But then, once I get to that point, you know, I'm going to have to get somebody else uh, yeah. on board to, to help manage that because, you know, I'm going to be open say Friday afternoon, Saturday Saturday afternoons, and um, you know, don't want to be um, working here all week and then sort of spending Saturday afternoons until sort of late uh, here as well, uh, away from the family. So, you know, I'll, I'll be looking to uh, to get people on board once 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 I get to that point. Yeah. So, um, who who are some of the breweries out there that you think are making exceptional beers at the moment? Like, and which breweries do you look to for influence? Um. That's quite a few. I mean, I, I like um, I, I like all sorts of styles of beer. Um, I, you know, I like not to be so pigeonholed. You see, like I spoke about earlier on. I tried to brew a wide range of beers. Um, you know, I've got I've got a mild planned. Um, you know, previously on the smaller kit, I brew quite a few saisons and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm planning on some pilsners and some hells and things like that. So, I, I like I like breweries that have that broad range of broad range of styles. Um, you know the, the likes of Ridgeside, Heist. You know, I know the guys. Know the guys from Heist quite well. Yeah, they're they, sound, aren't they? Um, obviously, Boutilias. They tend to do a lot of, um, you know, produce anything, whatever they want, really. Uh, you know, Drew down there. You know, let's knock an ESB out. Let's knock a whatever out. And and it's you know, let's put fruit tea and everything. Um, and uh, you know, they're not afraid to sort of put something out. I think since since the larger kits arrived, my um, I don't know. I've lost a bit of confidence in trying different things i guess you know mm. um i mean i have had quite a quite a wide range of beers out so you know i've had a couple of ipas you know the usual sort of hazy ipas out which obviously because they sell um but you know I, i'm sort of keen just to try different things so you know obviously locally um you know i say that i mean I've, the likes of verdant and daya um you know they, they produce you know I, I drink a lot of hazy ipas and and and, and, and pails um you know, and they are sort of the most popular style. So you know, people that do that well. You know, the likes of likes of obviously Verdant and, and Daya, um, obviously locally Glasshouse um, produce a lot of good beer. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm booked in to go to their tap room on Saturday actually, which I've not not visited as a as a drinker yet. Um, so I'll be over there um, this weekend. Nice. I'm trying to think of something else. It was, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff I've been buying in, I've been buying some guest stuff in. You know, Howling Hops have been well, come on radar recently. Um, yeah, then see their beer out a lot around you know a lot really but um yeah. you know i've um i bought quite a few of their stuff in as guest stuff obviously on my website and uh, obviously sampling it and uh, quite impressed with you know, mm. the stuff they've been doing again you know um some cracking uh, dipper with uh, with creek creek yeast recently which which i've uh, drank probably one case of my <laughs> personal use um i mean that's that's yeah. um leads us into our next question actually quite nicely so um, you, you've got an online store uh, where yes. you obviously sell a lot of beers from different yeah, breweries yeah. like how, i mean how did that come about and what what does it take to set yourself up as a supplier of beer as well as a brewer 
Um, well, obviously, you know, we, we're licensed premises here. I'm a personal license holder. Um, so selling direct to the public, obviously, that sort of thing you need in place. Um, the, the reason I did it was that, um, obviously, as I said, lockdown happened just as I sort of produced the second beer uh, into tank. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do with this? Uh, with nowhere to sell it. So I then thought, well, look at contract canning. Um, so I had two beers canned. And I thought, well, going from my own experience, if I, if I buy beers online, then I tend to, you know, I'll, I'll go for... Um, I tend to go to a, a retailer rather than direct to the brewery because most breweries don't have a, a wide range of beers on offer. Yeah. Because um, I, I tend to buy, you know, I buy, buy 12 different beers or 24 different beers. I like, you know, I like to have 24 different beers arrive. And, it's, you know, I thought, well, no one's going no to want to buy just two beers from me, um, you know, six of each or four of each, because obviously I have to have a minimum order quantity for it to be worth my while delivering. Um, obviously, I'm not in position to open. You know, that, at that point, we were locked down, so home delivery was the only option. I thought, well, what I'll try and do is um, try and make it more more of interest to people by mm. um, you know adding some of the stuff um, from, from from breweries I like, um, which is probably not the best best sales technique. You know, buying stuff that you like yourself rather than uh, thinking <laughs> about what, what people are buying. Um, but but yeah, just just so that people had a choice really. So you know, to sell my beer, bring you know, get some of the stuff in to try and add add to that. So people can buy twelve, you know, buy a couple of mine. You know, they may buy four of mine and then add eight to it. And there's a twelve pack I can I can drop off to somebody locally. So that that was the reason behind it. And obviously, when I've got a tap room, I'll have a fridge with some guest stuff on. I'll probably have a probably have a guest line or two as well. So so that was that was the the reason for doing so. Um, I was I was a bit wary of, of of pissing off a few you know local. Bottle shops. I mean, there aren't that many near me, to be honest. Uh, I've got two local ones who, who buy, buy buy beers from me. So, um, you know, I, I was very careful not to try and you know not sell things that they're selling. Mm. Um, I mean, they tend to you know get the really sought after stuff anyway. So, which which you know I'd no hope of getting you know getting your hands on a case of Verdant or or, uh, or, or Deo is, is pretty pretty impossible. So, yeah. so I've got uh, you know um, I've got you know got a good range of stuff in, but um, it, it was primarily to as I say, primarily to add a bit of uh, add a bit of uh, variety to the, to the website, really. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I love about the beer industry is that people are generally quite courteous. In that, yes. like like you said about um, not wanting to piss people off and step on people's toes. Whereas, like yeah. in any other industry, like people just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to sell it quicker, cheaper, whatever, faster than oh, yeah. anyone yeah. else. Whereas, you know. Um, I've always been aware, as I know most independent brewers are aware of like, oh, you know, I don't want to, um, well, I think this has been a, a big, a big thing why, um, online web shops and, um, direct sales haven't been as prevalent as they are until now, because it's like if a brewery mm. is setting up an online shop and they're expecting their bottle shop to take the beer as well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of almost, almost, you're almost setting yourself up in competition against the people you're supplying to. Um, yeah. whereas, you know, I think, um, for the most part, breweries until, until recently because of COVID, you know, have, have been really courteous in that way. And I think that's a really good yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do you see the industry heading as a whole over the next few years, especially in light of like the COVID pandemic or, or even Brexit, although I'm, I'm yeah. sure we've all uh, conveniently forgotten about that now. <laughs> um, yeah. where do you see it going? Well, I, th- I mean, I think as I say, a lot of breweries who probably weren't selling direct before started doing so. Um, you know, obviously there's more more margin on, on, on small pack than there is on kegs. Um, personally, you know, as it's just me, um, 
I don't foresee me doing it that way forever. I think there will be breweries that do. I think I think um, there will be a, a shift to, to breweries selling direct. Um, you know, I think some some wholesalers may suffer. I think some bottle shops may suffer because of that. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I I generally try and just say be be quite sort of careful. I mean, for me, it's just a bit of extra extra cash, which 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 you know comes in very handy uh, in these difficult times. Yeah. You know, I, I still sell still sell seventy five percent of my beer to trade. It's only twenty five percent, so it's just a bit of extra pocket money, really, just just to cover cover some extra overheads. On, on, I find during the, these times, and you know, uh, if I could keg everything, get it, and shift it all to you know, shift it all to trade, that I'd, I'd shift to that really, because as I say, you know, I can't afford my own canning line. I'm, I'm, I'm at the mercy of other people's diaries, and it, it's slowing me down in terms of getting beer out there. So yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, not necessarily everybody's got the same viewpoint. I think there will be um, some breweries that will just continue to do so. But, uh, but as you say, I think most most have been careful about pricing things in such a such a way that um, you know they're not pissing anybody off. It's a difficult one, really, because look, from my point of view, if I go into my local bottle shop, I'll quite happily pay seven eight pounds of a can for a can of um, you know Verdant or whatever else. Um, but if I went into Verdant um, personally. I'd expect to get it for slightly less direct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's a, just a, maybe an expectation that's, that's, that's correct or not, but but uh, I think that you know gen- people generally find that you know you go to brew tap room, have some stuff on draft. It's cheaper than you'd expect it to be cheaper because you know, of course, because there's not the the you know the the um, the bar or bottle shop has to has to, has to make money as well. So um, so it's difficult to try and price things to, to um, you know to, to sort of not annoy people really and i think uh you know as long as the public's expectation that they're going to get something cheaper from direct from the brewery um it doesn't force breweries to you know to, to undercut you know um you know bottle shops etc and, and bars and i think i think uh, you know there's, there's enough demand out there um you know people aren't certainly moving forward people you, know, you see some some pubs as a reopening people great you know have been drinking at home for months and are glad to get out to the pub but I think there's still a lot of people that are quite wary and and um, quite happy to drink at home. So I think there will be. A, and I found the last batches of cans have gone slightly sold slightly slow, more slowly than the the first two two batches of cans I've done. Um, so I think there is obviously people are t- tend to get out there a bit more now. So I think there will be a bit of a move back to uh, a bit of a reduction in, in in people selling direct. But um, I don't know. I think it's here to stay. If I'm honest, um, yeah. I just you know, but hopefully it's done in a way that uh, that keeps. Keeps everyone happy because you know I, I couldn't survive selling everything direct um, because I can't you know I couldn't ever shift it all that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fraction of what I sell. It's as I say, it's about twenty five percent. So, um, you know, I haven't got the, the the time to you know push that side of thing to make you know to increase that the sales on that, that really. I'm just happy to get you know I've got a reasonable loyal local following um, that will buy stuff from me direct, and and that's about it really. Um, so yeah. But well, thanks for being on the Hot Four podcast, Chris. Um, no what, what's no your hope for Leviathan? Like, where where do you see it going? What what would you love to happen over the next five years? Um, I don't. Know. I mean, I, I at the moment, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, today. I brewed my brew number twelve on this kit. Uh, I've had all sorts of issues with it uh, with the brew, with the kit itself. Uh, today's brew has been the the, the smoothest. Um, one so far and everything's gone gone fine you don't have uh, any mixes yeah. falling off today don't need a record time so I'm, I'm, i think um you know moving forward you know the, the plans here is to get is to have a tap room um to you know to have you know make this a, sort of a, a, if, if, you know, first of all 
get to consistently making beer of the standard that that, that I'm happy with because you know I'm, I never am. Um, I don't think I think putting things into can from day one has been um, you know massive learning exercise. Um, yeah, the kits, as I say, twelve brews in. You know, I'm getting used to the kids. I'm, 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 I'm learning every day. Uh, you know, I've, I've always, you know, I, I want to really make the best beer that I possibly can. Um, so, you know, the, the moving forward, you know, the focus in issue, you know, short term is just concentrate on getting, you know, get the process right, get the kit working fully um, as it should. Uh, you know, really improve on the, you know, get get some good quality beers out there, uh, and then as I say, shortly I'm working on going to be working on getting a tap room open. Um, we've got quite a decent local following, so you know, hopefully this will be a nice little hub for people uh, to come and drink some good beer. Um, you know, uh, every week, every weekend here. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I don't, I've no plans to sort of massively expand really. You know, if if this, if I could sort of, you know. Support myself, um, you know, from from what I'm doing here, and produce enough beer, um, you know, with the kids I've got. Then, you know, maybe I may add the odd, add the odd, add the odd extra tank, maybe. But um, but certainly, you know, um, that's that's a short term, short term goal. Uh, yeah. Really, so yeah. just get get uh, get producing more regularly um, by not by not canning um, and get the tap room open really is a, is a, is a short term thing uh, not, 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 look, not looking to sell out to AB and Bev or oh, Iron no, Maiden no. <laughs> no not at all <laughs> brilliant I don't, mind, I, don't mind, uh, I don't mind if they want to commission me to do something for them officially uh, rather than just uh, you know trademark infringement um, if, they want me to, <laughs> if they want me to produce something for them I'd be happy to nice um, <laughs> Bill, well thanks Bill, for being thanks. on the show today how can people get hold of your beers and try them which I would having had these two would definitely recommend they do um, we well, can get them you can you can put them direct um, on, on my website so obviously leviathanbrewing.co.uk forward slash shop um, so all my beers are always on there um, I do sell them to depending on where you are um, I mean they've gone I sell I, I tend to use EB Trade so a lot go out on wholesale so um I can't think of many names off the top of my head, but this is, you know, they, they tend to get around. Um, Optimism stock them. Um, there's various bottle shops um, you know, all over the country, really. So um, just keep an eye out on social media. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you Google, um, you know, if you want to try them, then tell your local bottle shop to get, get onto me and uh, I'll, I'll happily supply, supply them to them as well. But yeah, you can get them direct from me here um, by the web shop. Amazing, thank you. Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast was brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, coupled with the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion, whether it's equipment supply, fully turnkey or anything in between. Their parts shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on next day delivery. Visit their website on ssblimited.co.uk. That's ssblimited.co.uk. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hey,